Good evening. Let's all stand and together we're going to lift up our voices as we sing nothing but the blood and then there is a fountain filled with blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me Sandy Carr passed away today. A number of you knew Sandy and Greg Carr. 
Sandy was in a car accident today in the state she was living in. I think it was Wyoming. Was she in Wyoming? Montana. Montana. I knew it was that direction. But um, so pray for her children, Janelle and, and uh, Andy and uh, Tammy and Robin. There we go. So they're spread all over the country. But uh, pray, for, pray for their family. All set? Let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, as we open up our service tonight, we, we pray for Sandy, her family, her children, her grandchildren. Lord, certainly life is so very, very fragile. And I pray that you'd comfort her children today as they're even getting the phone calls. My understanding, even now, they're still trying to reach all the, all the kids. I pray that you would comfort them, watch over them, walk them through this deep valley that they're going to experience. And Lord, we thank you for the salvation you give us. Sandy gave a good testimony of salvation. And I'm sure that she rests in your presence even at this time. Please be with our service tonight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Let's continue in singing. I will sing the wondrous story and then Man of Sorrows. I will sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me. How he left his home in glory for the cross of Calvary. Yes, I'll sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me. Sing it with on G. 
let's lift up our voices one more time as we sing my life is in you lord and then you are my all in all and you may remain seated pastor always says they'll like me better if they if i let them sit more yeah. <laughs> Right. All right, well, let's lift up our voices. My life is in you, Lord, and then you are my all in all. My life is in you, Lord, my strength. evening service as well as at the end we're going to do our business meeting so let's do the bible study of our evening as we start so i'd like you to turn with me to first thessalonians chapter 5 going to read to you verses 1 down through 13 and uh title of my message this evening is comforting words during troubling times comforting words during troubling times we have the apostle paul writing to the church in thessalonica as god inspires him to pen these words and why did i title it comforting words during troubling times because they were living in troubling times uh, you have to remember that all of those disciples at that time were in peril of their lives the roman government 
seeking to squash this, this uprising of believers, as well as the Jews seeking to squash what they considered to be uh, heretics of the faith. So these folks were hunted down. They were not able to just live their lives without concern. And those who were hunted down and arrested and taken back to Jerusalem, oftentimes at peril of their lives. So they for sure were living in troubling times. And like all Christians during troubling times, they're thinking about the second coming of Jesus. They're thinking, is this the time? Is now the time that the Lord is going to come? Can I see the, the troubling times end by being caught up to be with him? So the apostle's going to address that as God inspires him to write it to you and I. And it's for every generation. So listen as I read to you verses 1 through 13. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light, and the children, and, uh, the, and the children of light we are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed unto us wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly and love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. So as we look at this text, my objective tonight is, as we look at all things around the world, no matter whether it be local or far away, no matter whether it be something that strikes us right here at home or far from us, no matter what's transpiring in our lives, we find comforting words in the scriptures. And here he starts off, the Apostle Paul, with his introduction, simply touching base with people and wanting them to stop focusing on all the trouble and focus on the hope. So that's why he starts off. He says, but of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. He wants to start off simply by letting us know all you're fretting and worrying about is Jesus coming tomorrow. Is this the time? Are all these the signs? The Apostle Paul says, I don't need to write to you about these things. You already know some foundational things, don't you? And he goes on to say in verse 2, For yourselves know perfectly, meaning you've been thoroughly and absolutely taught, and you understand that the day of the Lord so cometh is a thief in the night. So it's not that we necessarily need to continually be looking and watching and worrying and fretting. He says, you know that the second coming is going to come as a thief in the night. 
If we knew the thief was coming tonight, what would we do? Well, man, we'd go lock our doors. We'd, we'd have a new dog. We'd make sure our shotgun was loaded. Who knows what we would all do if we thought a thief was, and we knew a thief was coming to our house tonight. We'd hire Kurt to be out there with Sam hiding in the bushes. We'd be well covered, wouldn't we? But instead, a thief comes in the night when we are unaware. And we do that in life, which, which is a normal preparation. But we don't worry and fret every single day of our lives or it would consume us, wouldn't it? So he comes down, he says to us, he says, for, you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. And then verse three gives us kind of the culmination of those opening statements to connect them to him and kind of get them off the, the tight wire and get them back down to where they understand they need to live their regular lives. He says, for when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child and they shall not escape. So he says to them, he wants them to understand the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come as a thief in the night. We don't know when it's going to be. In fact, the Bible teaches us the son of man, the Lord Jesus Christ himself doesn't know when the second coming is only the heavenly father, one of the mysteries of the Trinity. But as we look at this, he tells us, he says, however, when peace and safety, when they're all speaking and take and talking and saying, oh, we've arrived, everything's good, everything's great. When they shall say, say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them. As I was reading those words, I was thinking back in, in history and different people who have said crazy things, thinking that they were all sent, that they had it over all you religious folks, all the people like you and I. In fact, Joseph Stalin said, we have deposed the czars of the earth. And they had. And he went on to say, we shall now dethrone the Lord of heaven, which they haven't. So he thought in all his power and all his might as Joseph Stalin, they had gone ahead and killed and driven out all the czars over all of Europe. And so his mind was, now we're going to go ahead and we're going to throw God out of heaven. In the 60s, from the Moscow press, they said, our rocket has passed the moon. It is nearing the sun and we have not discovered God. We've turned out the lights in heaven that no man will be able to put them on again. We are breaking the yoke of the gospel, the opium of the masses. Let us go forth and Christ shall be relegated to mythology. So Russia kind of followed the same mindset as going all the way back to uh, Stalin himself. But it's so interesting that when the United States sent men to the moon, when, men, when man stepped on the moon, he referenced God in a positive way. Not the negative way that Stalin or uh, the Moscow press did. And even now, I, I just read an article not too long ago about uh, an astronaut who was up in space not too long ago and talking about the wonder and the beauty of God's creation. Every generation has its highs and its lows. Every generation has its signs and not so much a sign.
Every generation knows that the, the Lord Jesus Christ coming will be as a thief in the night. The Bible is written and designed to help us as individuals to realize it could be happening today, tomorrow, or in a hundred years. We don't know. But we're supposed to serve and work. We're supposed to be as people of the light, living with zeal and excitement and energy to serve the Lord. And that's what he goes on to tell these people. He wants them to understand, yes, when everybody's sitting around and they're all saying, oh yeah, we've got it licked, we're on top of it. He says, then all of a sudden, the Lord will come back. But look what he goes on to say in verses four to seven, because he's going to reason with them. He wants them to come to this place where they live their faith and stop worrying and fretting. He says, but ye brethren are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of, light, uh, of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. So what he's teaching us here is that we are in contrast to the Stalins of the world, the, the Moscow presses of the world, or even the so-called scientists of our day who want to relegate God to the trash heap. We are a different people. We are a people of the light, a people of the day. And he wants, to un wants us to understand that we, we must be overtakers, genuinely living our faith, finding our zeal in him, and ignoring the naysayers. That's why he says in verse four, but ye brethren are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. You should not be surprised when Jesus comes back because he could come back any day. Here in a few weeks, I'm gonna teach a whole series on prophecy. And why am I gonna do that? So that we are educated and we understand and we, we really grasp what the Bible says about prophecy. But am I going to teach it so that we're all sitting at the glass door looking out and waiting? No. Am I going to ask anybody to sell everything they have and give it to me because Jesus is coming tomorrow? No. Wouldn't work anyways, would it? We're brighter than that. We know that the Lord is going to come in his time, not our time. So as we look at this, he tells us, he says, it should not overtake you by surprise. We should be aware and alert and serving, ready for the master to return. He comes down as we go a little bit farther in the verses. Look at verse five. He says, ye are all children of the light and children of the day. I like that he drives the point home. He says, we're the children of the light and the children of the day. We're about the master's business. We're doing what God has called us to do. And we are steadfast in that, no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what is happening. It's like our missionary. Uh, he's, he, he is living in a very frightening place right now as they're helping folks come in out of Ukraine. But he's not gonna stop. He's a child of light. He's a child of the day. He's going to do all he can. When I talked to Rika on the phone, he, he told me, he says, I've almost had no sleep in days and days. I told him, I said, Rika, you have to sleep in order to be able to work. You've got to at least rest some because he's wanting to get it done. And that's what the apostle Paul is talking to you and I about. 
He's telling us, make sure you're about the master's business. Work while it is day, while you can. He comes down into verse six. He says, therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober. We're supposed to be alert, aware, not clouded, not afraid, not dissuaded or, or, or fretting, but sober. That word sober does not mean not drunk. It means to be serious about life, to look and take it seriously. Uh, today, when I got notification that uh, Sandy had passed away today, I, I thought to myself, I just talked to her on the phone here about two months ago. She had called me up at the office and she said, Pastor, I'm living in such and such a place and I need to find a church. And I told her, I said, boy, I will help you, but you are living far off in a far corner of the earth. And I went through, I even made phone calls. I reached out to different pastors I knew uh, reached out to missions directors to try to find a church somewhere within the region where she was living that she would be at peace. And I sent her what I had, but she told me she'd been visiting some churches. You know what? She was doing her part as she came along. And each of us must do that. We can't just sit back and we can't just say, well, it's a little hard or it's a little inconvenient, or maybe Jesus is coming to today. Or as the Old Testament says, there are those who sit in their house and they say, well, there's a lion in the way. I'm not going to go. No, we have to get up and get out and get going because we are people of the light and people of the day. As we come into verses 8 down through 13, he tells us how to live the life we should live as we're waiting for the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at what he goes on to say. But let us who are of the day be sober. Putting on the breastplate of what? Faith, love, and hope. Those three things. Isn't it interesting? Listen to the verse again. But let us who are of the day be sober. Putting on the breastplate of faith and love. And for a helmet, the hope of salvation. And of course, we know that that is all part of the armor of God. Ephesians 6.13 says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. That's what we're about. We're about standing strong and not giving in. We're about putting on that whole armor of God. And here he takes three pieces of it. He wants us to understand we should be wearing our faith. We should be wearing our love. And we should be wearing our hope. It should be evident. Amen? I see uh, teenagers sometimes come in with their, their t-shirts on and all kinds of stuff written on their t-shirts. And I'll tease them once in a while because they'll have a, something written on the shirt. And I'll, I'll tease them and say, oh, so you've changed your name to who knows what. It could be anything on that shirt. And they'll say, no, 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 that's, that's just, it just says it on my shirt. And most of the time they'll say to me, I don't even know what it says. I just pulled it out of my drawer. They don't even know what they're wearing. But here he's telling us we should know what we're wearing. We should be wearing our faith, our love, and our hope. It should be such a part of us that it is us. It is who we are. 
When we come down in verses 11 through 13, he continues to expand how to live our faith, how to live our life as we're waiting for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 11, listen to what he says. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. He didn't tell them, take up arms and go beat Rome. He didn't tell them to go ahead and study the Torah, study the Old Testament, so that you could debate the Jews. He told them, he says, listen, you are living in troubling times. Comfort yourselves together. Edify one another, as also ye do. And you and I in our lives, that's, that's really our calling. Sandra Jo, she, I, when she got here tonight, I asked her, I said, were you able to get a hold of Janelle? And she said, well, I've been reaching out to her, but haven't gotten a response back. And why? She's reaching out to comfort her because she cares. You know, and it's, it's part of who we should be as Christians. And if you know any of the kids, you should reach out to them, text them, reach out, make a call, let them know, hey, your church family remembers you and is praying for you. As we look at this text, he reminds us that we should comfort and edify one another. And then he goes down in verses 12, 13, and 14, and he talks about your pastor. Listen to what he says. He says, and esteem them very highly in love for, uh, no, let me start at 12, I'm sorry. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are, are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. And be at peace among yourselves. As we look at this text, we understand he's simply telling us, be connected to your church family. Be connected to your pastor. Know your pastor. Listen when he exhorts and when he teaches. Be in tune to what's happening in the preaching and teaching of God's word. That it might shape us and make us. Not that, it's not, it's not the words of the pastor, it's the word of God. That's what, that's what you should seek as a pastor. Every once in a while, I will talk to somebody who will tell me, yeah, I go to church, but our pastor never talks about the Bible. See, I, I just would not go to church there. If he's not talking about the Bible, I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear the condensed version of the Reader's Digest. I don't want to hear about everything else in the world. There's plenty. I want to hear how the Bible relates to my life. And so here he tells us, as we're looking for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, Live your life. Be diligent. Be sober. While the day is light, while we can serve and work, work. Do what we can for the cause of Christ. Comfort one another during troubling times. And certainly around the world, it is troubling times. Every one of you, when you pull up to the gas station and put that thing in and you see those numbers going, some of you are on set incomes. You're retired. They're not going to go ahead and send you a, what do they call that? A fuel? What is that thing they, they put on the bill? A surcharge. They're not going to send you a little bonus to help you with the fuel surcharge. It is troubling times. But we have to live our lives, don't we? We have to stand strong. We've got to face the day with the Lord Jesus Christ and comfort one another, care about one another, understand that others are struggling too. You're not by yourself. 
And where we can, we should try to help. Amen? All right.